lot of scripture reading momentarily in my message. Uh, so this morning, I want to preach to you. God really nudged me hard when Brother Holland was here last weekend. The conferences that he does, the crusades that he does, is called Miracle for You. And God has nudged me really hard last Sunday when Brother Holland was speaking. And I don't want to take anything away from that. I'm not here to take anything away, and I need you to listen very carefully. But I believe God spoke to my spirit, and I want to just bear my soul to Grace Church here this morning. And uh, I'm not going to be lengthy. I'm going to try not to be lengthy. And uh, I'm not going to be very repetitive. But I have something I want to share with you today. I just I want to title my message today, and I'll be reading some scripture in a moment. But I want to title this, Faith at Its Best. Faith at Its Best. My tagline for this message today is Repeated Obedience. Everybody say that with me. Repeated Obedience. It's not based on understanding. It's not based on understanding. It's obeying whether you understand or not. Repeated Obedience. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the remainder of this service. Father, we love you today. We're thankful for this incredible gathering of people. And we never take advantage of your people. We ask today that you would anoint our effort to preach and deliver what you've given to us today to preach and deliver. Pray that our minds and hearts are open. Let the Spirit of God work, we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. My message today will be a very long introduction. As a matter of fact, the, the, my introduction will be probably longer than my actual message. So I don't want anybody to panic. Those of you planning to go to Pie Pies or Cafe Phoenicia, it'll be there uh, when you get there, Lord willing. <clears throat> there are days, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to listen very carefully. I'm going to ask our children to please not run in and out, our adults not run in and out. You don't do this in a school session when you're at school, and there's really no need for you to do it here at church. Some have been out several times already, and I think you've been to the water fountain enough. And if you wouldn't have to go to the water fountain, if you didn't go to the water fountain so often, you wouldn't have to go to the other room as often. Uh, those of you that are watching Grace Church on live stream, welcome. We're so glad you're joining us today. There are days that define the rest of your life. There are days that define the rest of your life. I pray today is one of them. Some days follow a predictable path, like the center aisle of a church on your wedding day. There's other days that are as unpredictable as a blind date. And I hope today is not a blind date. I hope this is... A moment for you where your, your life, your day-to-day -day becomes your new normal. Most of us live, <clears throat> most of us live in a continuous need of a miracle. We live in a, a constant need of divine intervention. If God would just move in my life, if God would just come and, and say something audibly to me or give me a sign. 
we need divine intervention in our marriage or we need a miracle in our finances or healing for our bodies. We fail to understand is that repeated obedience can take us so much further in our relationship with God. What we fail to understand is that repeated obedience to biblical discipleship. Y'all listen to pastor. I'm going to treat here for a moment. What we fail to understand is that repeated obedience, whether you understand or not, People read the Bible and say, well, I know Jesus commanded that, but I just don't understand why I have to do it. doesn't matter if you understand it or not. No more than you understood when you were five years old when your mom and daddy got you up for school every morning. You didn't understand it, but you obeyed it. Everybody say amen. Y'all on board? Okay. We fail to understand is that repeated obedience to biblical discipleship would in itself alleviate or dismiss most of the turmoil in our lives. When you are not in the house of God faithfully, or you do not pay your tithes, or live biblical lifestyle, or involve yourself in some level of a personal evangelism, listen very carefully. You then throw yourself on the mercy and compassion of God, literally expecting Him to reward bad or negative behavior instead of living faithfully and have Him reward your faithfulness and obedience. I don't know how many of you heard that and you get your head around it. And I don't want to be repetitive in this today even though I want to be, but I'm not. A man sat in my living room this week and said, God isn't accountable to us when we're disobedient. A goodly portion of the needs that are represented in church on a consistent basis are oftentimes from people who live their lives just short of biblical discipleship in one way or another. When you refuse to be faithful when you could, and I want you to understand this morning that there's a difference between I can't and I don't want to. You know, there's people that get up and do things Monday through Friday that's job-related that just can't do it when it's church-related. Well, that's not a I can't, it's a I don't want to, or I don't feel like I, I need to. So when you refuse to be faithful when you could and choose not to or refuse to pay your tithes because of attitude or I can't afford it or whatever reason, you give up or surrender God working in your life to the degree that he wants to. Listen very carefully. I'm not presenting a works-based message, but an obedience-based message. Ellen White said God's promises. God's promises are all on condition of humble obedience. Not faith, obedience. Everybody say obedience. James Faust said, Obedience brings peace in decision-making. If we have firmly made up our minds to follow the commandments, we will not have to re-decide which path to take when temptation comes our way. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. One of the first scripture memory verses that our children learned was, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, Ephesians 6.1. Most people expect that children should be taught to obey. However, they rarely understand that obedience is not only for the children, but for everyone. The biblical word for obey comes from a Greek word which means to listen attentively by implication to heed or conform to a command or authority. This word conveys the idea of actively following a command. There's no choice in the matter. It's to be done whether one agrees with it or not. Obedience is involuntary. The Bible said one of Israel's first commandments was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And everybody said amen. amen. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in their heart. The writer of Hebrews said, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for this is unprofitable for you. Peter said in his epistle, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? John said, or Jesus said in John 15, excuse me, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. If you want full joy, if you want full joy, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, Jesus said, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. In John 14, Jesus said, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And we love that scripture, don't we? But do you ever read the next two? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Watch this. Jesus said, If you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. I just want to ask the question this morning. Is there a comfort for people that just live on the mercy and grace of God? But when you enter into discipleship, is there another comforter at a greater level? In 2 John verse 6, he said, And this is love, that we walk after his commandment this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning you should walk in it i'm preaching to somebody here this morning there's people here today there's a lot of conflict and stuff going on in your life that would go away if you would just simply obey the word of god take it at face value and get rid of the notion that says but i don't understand it it doesn't matter 
I would oftentimes ask my dad when I was corrected and disciplined, why? I want you to do this or quit doing that, and I would say, why? He would say, because I said so. I didn't have to understand it. What was important is that I obeyed it. The Word of God is presenting the same concept to us today. Listen very carefully. Did you ever notice that the disciples did not have need of miracles to the same same proportion that the multitudes did? I want our Bible scholars to get your head around this. Did you ever notice that? The one miracle of healing that any of them needed was for Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Now, I don't necessarily believe that Jesus only called healthy disciples, but could it be a byproduct of discipleship that they never needed a miracle? I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. Everybody say, God bless the pastor. I'm trying to help somebody here today. I'm not saying that you'll never get sick. But I am saying that God truly takes care of his disciples no matter what happens to them. I want you to notice what you lose when you don't obey. This isn't unbelief. This is disobedience. This is he that knows to do good and does it not. Okay. I realize, Brother Josh, I'm sorry we're not hooping and hollering and bouncing off the walls and But God spoke to me last Sunday, and I'm delivering you with all I have in me what God talked to me about. Notice what happens, the loss of blessings for disobedience. In Joshua chapter 5, for the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished. Why? Because they did not obey. It was not unbelief, it was disobedience that kept them from inheriting their promised land. In Romans chapter 2, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for the glory and honor of immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and obey not the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. George MacDonald said, I find doing the will of God leaves me no time for disputing about his plans. Oswald Chambers said, Beware of reasoning about God's word. Obey it. Let me talk to you about miracles this morning. Everybody wants a miracle. Everybody wants God to speak in an audible voice. Everybody wants God to give you that lightning bolt in that moment of just unbelievable divine authority and and, uh, impartation and what have you. Let me talk to you about miracles for a moment, and then I'll get back to my message. I'm still in my introduction. I'll get to my sermon in just a moment. A true miracle is an event in the eternal world brought about by the immediate agency or the simple volition of God, operating without the use of means capable of being discerned by the senses and designed to authenticate the divine commission. It is an occurrence at once above nature and above man. 
It shows the intervention of a power that is not limited by the laws either of of matter or of mind. A power interrupting the fixed laws which govern their movements. It's a supernatural power. For example, the simple and grand truth that the universe is not under the exclusive control of physical forces, but that everywhere and always there is above, separate from, and superior to all else an infinite personal will, not superseding, but directing and controlling all physical causes acting with or without them. In the New Testament, there are four Greek words that are principally used to designate miracles. The first word is sign. Everybody say sign. It's an evidence of divine commission, a confirmation of a divine message, a token of the presence and working of God, the seal of a higher power. The second word is wonders. Wonders are wonder-causing events, portents or omen, producing astonishment in the beholder. And then there's might works, not mighty, but might. The might of God. Not maybe might, but the might or strength of God. Might works. Works of superhuman power, of a new and higher power. And then the fourth word is works. The works of him who is wonderful in working. These four words designate miracles in the Word of God. And this is what we want. We pray oftentimes for God to give us a sign. Or God, work a wonder in my life. Do a might work in my life. Or just work in my life. I need a miracle, I need a miracle, I need a miracle. Miracles are seals of a divine mission. Where miracles are, there God is. And I believe in miracles. I believe in faith-based miracles. But I am preaching to you today that if you're willing to endorse and accept and live discipleship commitment,